lace him up. Because it's time for the Sunday Skate. This is the Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. A comprehensive look at the bees from deep inside the organization to the ice and beyond. Brought to you by your Boston area Mercedes-Benz dealers, AT&T, Wise Snacks, and Star Market. Now, let's get it going with ESPN's Joe McDonald, Pete Blackburn, and WEI.com's DJ Bean. The final Sunday skate of the month. So sad. So sad. DJ Bean, Sunday skate, Pete Blackburn, no Joe McDonald. Big Uh, time in us once again. Big time. He had to big time us one last time. But, yeah, this is the final Sunday skate of the month. We'll do something uh, again once they win the, the lottery, which when is the lottery even? It's, I think it's late April. So once the Bruins get the first overall pick, we'll do something. It might have to be in podcast form because I do know that the lottery um, happens when the Red Sox are playing the Yankees and is the rights holders that's going to get in the way. We so. were on the air last year when uh, when the lottery had taken place. That's Weren't right. We, because we, did an, we, did, we did an Oilers segment. We did an Oilers segment. That's right. So why did were we just on later? Did they keep doing shows after the – the Bruins were knocked out. I feel like we're following the same format, like one. Yeah, like they one, got eliminated. We did like one more show yeah, after. Yeah, and then one afterwards. Huh. Well, if Maybe anyone they knows, just pushed the lottery back. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, anyway, the Bruins are going to get the first overall pick, and they're going to, to take Austin Matthews, presumably. So that's going to be big. It's going to be huge stuff. So we'll do some sort of uh, special. But uh, for now, I guess we'll just. Uh, React to the season, look back a little bit, look ahead, taking your calls, 617-779-0937. That's it. it. (laughs) 793-7? I've forgotten the the number in the final show. I'll admit uh, I'm a little tired because uh, you were up, you were giffing. And I, I was, was up, working. <laughs> yeah, I was up standing around with a uh, with with water at Steve Buckley's 60th birthday party. So that's fun. I was a little disappointed that I couldn't go. I know. I was invited last second by you and, and I didn't know. I didn't know if you were invited, so I never said anything to you. Well, that's like the holy grail. It was the awesome. The fact that I was invited to Buck's birthday party is yeah very. The, excited the about only it. cool thing about. I think the only cool thing about adult DJ for, for like, kid DJ. There aren't many. <laughs> there are very few things is that he grew up and ended up being friends with Steve Buckley. So, shouts to me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we see the calls starting to come in. We'll uh, get to them. But, Pete, uh, I guess let's reflect on the week that was a bit. Um, breakup day obviously occurred Monday. But the big news was that the Bruins retained Claude Julien. And I think that we're going to be bad for uh, this subject because we're both rational about it, and I think that we were both team keep Claude. And, um, but if you're looking for the irrational takes, you had them all week, so that's, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> yeah, there was, I mean, once they got eliminated, and I don't blame people for saying that they, they should get rid of Claude because that's just kind of the way that sports work and exist. If a team screws up, then fire the coach or fire the GM, and... There's something to that for sure, but I think that the Bruins had to take stock of what they had, who their good assets were, and who their bad assets were, and proceed accordingly. Now, I'll admit, I've thought a lot of the Bruins' moves under Cam Neely and Don Sweeney have been wrong to this point. So when the Bruins kept Claude Julian, it actually made me kind of wonder, like, oh, shoot, was I on the 
was this a bad take that I thought they should keep Claude because they ended up actually doing it. So um, I thought it was practical to keep him. I thought it would have just made them worse in so many ways. Um, a, if they screw up the coaching hire, then you're really going into the dark ages. And again, to, to this point, with the trades they've made, um, with a lot of the moves they've made, they're not pulling off slam dunks every time they make a move. So you would guess that whatever move they would make would not be maybe the best one. So they avoided that. And just also, if Julian had left, he would have gone to Ottawa. And then I consider Ottawa probably a playoff team next season anyway. If Julian goes there, then they're definitely a playoff team. And then with the Canadians probably getting better next season, and maybe Buffalo getting better next season, although probably not good enough yet to pass you then you were you're where you were this season which is just a fringe playoff team and I don't think I think that Sweeney probably feels pressure that he has to get them back to the playoffs so I I thought it would have been bad in a lot of ways to get rid of Claude Julian and I know that that's a boring lame reserved take but I just think that's that's rational no I I agree I think um I mean Claude Julian certainly isn't without blame yes for sure um, but if you're looking to point fingers at at this year and and you know where if you need to point fingers, if the one guy that you're pointing at is Claude Julian, that's the wrong person. Yeah. And uh, I I a big reason why I like the decision um, of retaining Claude, uh, you know, other than the fact that he's a really good coach, is that it, if you don't fire the the coach. He doesn't become the scapegoat, and then other player, the players are the ones who have to take the responsibility. Yeah, and there's accountability there. Yeah, there is, and also it's an admission on the part of Sweeney and Neely that, like, okay, that we didn't do our jobs very. We well. messed up, and I mean, I would have thought it would be a. I I thought it would have been a disaster if they were to send that message of like we gave this guy the horses to win, and he didn't like. I mean, we. We re-signed Adam McQuaid. What else are we su- supposed to do? We gave this guy Adam McQuaid. We we got rid Defense of that. isn't important right. here, Claude. We we got rid of that problem, Dougie Hamilton, for him. We did everything. What what more could we have done? So uh, it was an admission on the part of, of Sweeney that, all right, going into a season with a bunch of unproven defensemen maybe isn't the smartest play in the world. Um, and on, on the subject of that, uh, at some point during the show, I'm, I'm going to post uh, uh I, I had a long talk with Zidane Ochara about his future and his present with the uh, with the Bruins and everything. And I think one of the things that the Bruins need to address is what do they do with Chara? Um, a year after putting a bunch of bad defensemen around Chara and him being the only guy at a time in his career when realistically you'd like to think if he can be a second-pairing defenseman, then you're in business. And he probably has to go somewhere else if if he wants to do that. Um, so they they've just got so much work to do uh, defensively, and it's a lot easier said than done. There aren't going to be many guys out there available in free agency. Um, Alex Goligoski is maybe the only free agent that I'd say, yeah, go go out and spend for that guy. But you're going to spend a lot. But you're going to have to spend a lot because you're going to be competing with all these other teams and. I don't know. It's there. There's no clear path to repairing this blue line, which is why I thought they shouldn't have been in such a hurry to rip it down. I mean, the the Boychuk trade obviously was was horrible. Uh, the Hamilton trade 
for for some reason, I feel like people don't harp on the Hamilton trade as much as they should. Um, I was on with my best friend uh, the other night, and he and uh, Felger was saying, you know, Claude can't de- develop a, a puck-moving defenseman, and here are all these areas in which uh, Julian's failed. I don't think people understand how much trading Dougie Hamilton actually set the Bruins back and, and screwed them up. I mean, right now is where you could be passing the torch from Chara to Hamilton, and you're at least moving towards something on defense, and you can say, okay, yeah, well, Hamilton, when he's 23, 24, 25, that's when Carlo and Lazon and all these guys will, will start to come in, and you're sort of turning over this back end. Right now, of all the guys that you've seen to this point that they tried to use last year, Colin Miller, probably the only guy that you think has a future with, with the Bruins. I mean, Joe Morrow uh, is... Joe Morrow is restricted, I believe. Um, or yeah, I, I know he's restricted. Uh, Trotman is. Uh, I think Trotman actually might be a UFA now um, because uh, of, of how many games he played. But n- none of these guys are slam dunks that they have. So right now on the back end, it's still kind of Chara and a bunch of other guys. So um, this is going to be a, a pivotal, pivotal off season for. Uh, for Don Sweeney. Um let's uh let's start to get to the calls. Maria is in Watertown. Hello Maria. Hi guys, how are you this morning? Good morning. We're outstanding. Uh, I know, I know. Aren't we? What a disastrous end to the season. I couldn't think of any worse uh final chapter to write. You know, they began the season um disastrously and maybe fittingly ended it disastrously. Um and I don't blame Claude Julian, and I'm one of the ones who, when it comes to Claude, doesn't think rationally, and this time I actually did for a change. Um, So I don't think it was necessary to fire him. Um, What I think they did do, however, is management has backed themselves um, into a pretty significant corner. Um, I really thought that all season long this organization thought they could have their cake and eat it too, which is do a quote-unquote soft rebuild and still make their way into the playoffs given the comportment of how bad the Eastern Conference was. And it was a big big miscalculation um, on their part when things imploded on the back end of the house. Um, And now I think they have no choice, i.e. management has no choice but to make a very significant move or number of moves this summer or, or the backlash um, that they're going to face in the upcoming season, not to mention um, the competitive backlash that they're going to face because those Eastern Conference teams are going to get better. And now you're even further behind than where you originally um, anticipated yourself to be. And, you know, the, the, the Boychuk trade um, has been a disaster for this franchise, and the Dougie Hamilton trade has been a disaster. You, you didn't replace either one of those guys with anyone near the equivalent. Well, they, they, they signed Matt Irwin in, in their defense. <laughs> oh they, 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 if you remember, oh they signed God. Matt Irwin. I mean, I said to my son at one point, I would just assume you dig your equipment out of the garage and throw you out on the ice because I think at least you could get in the way and maybe stop something from happening. But it, it was just so sad. And how an organization um, can misjudge 
the the depth of talent that they have is, is or lack of talent is, is beyond me. So this is this is going back to all to me all of the mess that has still been left by Peter Shirelli, the bad draft, eh. the bad trades, the bad cap management, and unfortunately, Mr. Sweeney compounded that okay. by signing Jimmy Hayes, uh, trading away Dougie Hamilton for, I, I don't know what, not much of anything, extending Jimmy Hayes. So he's just compounded the mess, and that leaves me with very little faith that this guy is going to do what needs to be done to get the Bruins back in the top of the Eastern Conference here. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but after what I heard or didn't hear in that press conference, to me, he sounded very smug, very condescending. Well, he always sounds like that. Very politician-like, very politician-like. He yapped and slapped his gums, but he never said anything. And he talked out of both sides of his mouth. On one hand, he said that they didn't think that they needed to make any significant moves, but then later on he said, well, you know, no, we're going to tell everybody what the program is here, and if they're not on board, they can go. Well, which is it? Who who are those players that you're going to tell, you need to be on board or you're going to go because half your team has no trade clauses? Um, So I, I don't know. I'm just... I am going into the upcoming season with a great deal of concern and not a lot of faith. I, you know, Claude did, I think, what he was asked to do, which is open up the offense. They scored goals for a change this season. You didn't get Not for a change. Oh, Maria. No. Maria. Uh, They're always top five in scoring. I know, but it seemed, it seemed much more open. It seemed like they had more scoring because they had more guys who – took the majority of the scoring like there were 30 yeah, goal scorers yeah so yeah. that was it was more obvious that they were they were scoring goals which that is they, even probably even worse they, because then you, you're relying on the same guys to score every right night. they appeased the we need a sniper crowd yeah. for a year for a year i think uh i, I think a huge you guys feel this is going to be corrected or what path they can take but you know, I, I and I think we as fans were a little bit delusional, honestly, to start the season, and we drank the Kool-Aid because we all knew, any of us who, you know, watch and, and see what happened, that this was going to be, when, when Peter Shirelli left and the situation that they were in cap-wise and roster-wise, that realistically you were looking at three or four years to get this team back to where it needed to be. You know, then the season starts, the Eastern Conference not so good. They have these spurts where they play well. And, you you know, you think, oh, gee, maybe they can make the playoffs. But, you know, realistically, the, the pundits, when the season started, had projected the Bruins, based on their roster, not to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think they were three or four years away, honestly. And thanks for the call, Maria. We appreciate it as always. Go ahead, Pete. I don't think they were three or four years away. I think the problem was that they, like she said at the beginning of the call, they wanted to have their cake and eat it too. Like right. They wanted to rebuild, but they wanted to compete now. Uh, like that was the biggest, the hindering of this team is they didn't let the young guys develop. Like if you're not that far away, if you just commit to letting the young guys develop. And now I think going into the off season, that's going to be uh, a huge part of it is a self evaluation because you have this core group here right now 
And we've seen it the past few years. This core group isn't enough to do it on their own. Right. Um, so you need to either Especially go... when you subtracted a piece from it in Hamilton. Exactly. This 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 management needs to either go on full in on a retooling or they need to just they need to figure it out and figure out that this core group isn't gonna work as is and we have a a, a deep system. So you either got to go one way or the other. You got to trade some of the guys in the system to improve right now and get, you know, NHL leadership and talent right now, or you need to trade some of the core group and go all in on rebuilding towards the future. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're probably both in agreement that the Chara window is supremely closed. Um, that he's not enough for them to to get where they they need to go. And in years past, you could say. All right, they've got Char on D, so they're fine, and he's so dominant that he can kind of carry Take anybody with him. Right? Yeah, exactly. And that doesn't exist anymore, and you don't have any other good defensemen back there. And Dennis Seidenberg is probably a retained salary transaction, uh, pro- ideally not a buyout. Um, and offensively, as as you said, it was it was Marchand, it was Erickson, it was Bergeron, kind of carrying them. Obviously, early in the season, Krejci was was one of the best offensive players in the NHL, but but he fell off, and and obviously he had his uh, his uh, various injuries. But I I kind of agree with with Matt Kalman, and that's and he he said all along. Don't blow it up. I thought for a while, like, you have to blow this up. You're kidding yourself if you think that this team is going to to win you anything. I think that they can kind of pivot, though. I think that they can say, okay, who are our key guys? Uh, Bergeron, Marchand, uh, maybe Rask. And from there, let's figure out how we can turn. Yeah, how we can turn these pieces into something else. And uh, and we're, we're taking your call, 617-779-7937. I think that Rask is a guy that they should listen on. I know that he was a big uh, storyline in the the last game of the season and last week. Uh, he was Don Sweeney was asked about whether or not he would consider Tuka Rask an untouchable. And Sweeney, in a lot of words, basically said he wouldn't consider him an untouchable, which I think is smart. I think the only untouchable on this team should be Patrice Bergeron. Um, obviously... For Brad Marchand, you'd need to get a ton, but if you can get a ton, then you'd listen on any of these guys. Um, the thing about trading Tuka Rask or listening on Rask is he, he, his replacement isn't in the organization right, right. now. And, so you got to find it somewhere else, and you know those options aren't great. Right. Uh, so I think if you're if you're going to listen on Tuka, the the biggest uh, drawback on that is that you should have listened on him last year when you had a when goalie. You had Martin who, Jones. Yeah. Yep, should have never trad. Um, on Rask, here's my thing. Uh, I've got two things on Rask. Um, one, at any point, he can be one of the top 20 to 50 player best players in the NHL. At his best, at his Vezina winning peak, he is one of the top, I'll say conservatively, 20 to 50 players in the NHL. I think that people are still so mad over the Sagan trade because one of the big issues with it was you don't want to trade the best. You don't want to be the team that parts with the best player in the trade. If you trade Tuka Rask, you're probably not getting, you're you're not getting a better player in return. You may get a player that you feel you need more, obviously a, a top four defenseman, but 
trading Rask is a, a, a biggie. That's an organizationally not, changing, <laughs> shifting thing. Not and to it, mention, if you trade Tuga Rask, you're m most likely going to trade him to a team that has much better defense than the Bruins, which right. means that his numbers are going to be oh, so be much fine. better. Well, God, versus what he where he was this season. Yeah, with exactly. This he's going to... If he goes anywhere else, his numbers would go way up. So he would just he'd be just fine. My other thing is, and again, I take into consideration with all of these potential moves, who's making them? Sweeney and Neely, how have they move, made moves thus far and how does that reflect on any future moves? If you are to trade Tuka Rask and uh replace him with a different goaltender, how have the Bruins been so far at assessing goaltenders or how have Sweeney and Neely been so far at assessing goaltenders certainly not great with a backup goaltender they signed the only one is they signed uh Jonas Gustafsson and guess who sucks that guy um now is would Jeremy Smith have been better would he have been the same I, I can't imagine Jeremy Smith would have been much worse and he would have been cheaper I would have just uh kept Jeremy Smith who they'd signed for for pennies, uh, I want to say $600,000, and that was a lot cheaper than what Gustafson ended up costing them. So if the only measure I have of them going out and finding a goalie is the way they handled the backup job this year, I'm not in love with the idea of them going out and trading Tuka Rask and then picking his replacement. If Malcolm Subban doesn't suffer that larynx injury, I believe, um then maybe he finishes strong. He was having a great season, or he would he had really picked it up before he got hit with that puck. But you've got, as you said, you've got nothing in house that is a slam dunk. I mean, you've got guys in the pipeline, right? You got Subban, you've got McIntyre, but McIntyre had kind of a rocky first year. I just think the idea of trading a good, established, elite goaltender is such be careful what you wish for territory. Um I mean, I just remember growing up watching um, teams like the Devils and teams like the Avalanche, and it was like, man, when you're a really good team and you're put over the top by an elite goaltender, it's just such a such a game changer that a lot of teams you run into in the postseason and you say, okay, yeah, they've got a lot of pieces. I mean, God, when the Bruins played the Penguins um, in 2013, going into that series, there was no way the Penguins were going to lose, and if they're was anything that anyone diagnosed as a weakness that the Bruins could exploit? It was that between uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and I think it was Vokun was uh, their other goalie at the time. Maybe you can exploit that because they've got everything but goaltending. Now it proved that their defense was a lot worse than people expected. And Sidney Crosby crapped his pants that whole series. And the Bruins ended up sweeping them and only allowing two goals. But I just think that... If you want to trade the goalie, you really need to have a good, solid backup plan. And I don't think the Bruins do. But uh, we're taking your solutions for how to fix this Bruins team. 617-779-7937. Sunday Skate on WEEI. We need more players that when they get to the line, that they know how hard the climb is. They've experienced it. They might have fallen back. And we have a good group of, of core guys that have done that. And the rest of the guys need to either jump on board and become and grow and want to do that, or they won't be here. And from an organizational standpoint, that's what I stand for, and that's, that's part of the reason why I was hired. You know, I'm driven that way. I want players that are internally driven. You can be externally motivated. 
Believe you me, there are a lot of real good things about this game that can motivate you, but boy oh boy, you better be internally driven in order to have success in this league. Good stuff. Um, I do agree with the end of that. I, I think that a lot of what Sweeney says there is to kind of uh, placate the fans who look at the collapse and say, these guys weren't gamers, they didn't show up, and all this stuff. And yeah, they were terrible down the stretch, but it was just because there weren't that many good players there. Yeah, they, they needed they, more They good weren't players. very good. <laughs> yeah, like it... Fluto actually wrote a column that was basically like he he kept using like the the term good players. He's like they lost this game because this team had more good players than them. And like it's it sounds so simple, but like that's that's what it boiled down to. The Bruins roster was a lot worse this season than it was the year before. Uh, Pete, you uh you batted this wonderful take uh, down that came in on the text line. Uh, a texter from six one seven says Rask is. Let's jump into caps lock. Not elite. Trade him for a top four D. <laughs> well, if you if you you're not elite, you can't trade a non elite goalie for a top four defenseman. <laughs> right. Like, we've got this crappy goaltender, and Talk he makes having, seven million dollars yeah. a year. Talk about having your cake and eating it too. Like, right. You want to trade this goalie that you don't think is good and makes seven seven million dollars a year for a top four defenseman, which is a commodity in this league. Like, right. Come on. <laughs> Isn't it so sad to think of how far the Bruins have fallen off? And I'm sure my, my buddy Mike and Woburn uh, probably is lamenting this, that now top 4D is like the buzzword. That's like the that's like the it's the new puck the, moving defense. Exactly, it's like this mythical thing that you've <laughs> you, you've heard about, and and you think some other teams might have them, but you've never really had one. For years, it was they need to get a puck moving defenseman. And they got a puck moving defenseman, and he sucked. And they were like, "Okay, we just need good defensemen." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they were like, "So it's okay if we don't have Thomas Caberlet. If Johnny Boychuk is like a good number three defenseman, that's quite all right." Like we're- these, these uh, not typical puck moving defensemen, quote unquote, uh, can play defense and skate, right? And this will work. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they were very successful. I do feel like the uh, the classic boss. Um, you know, fed up Boston sports fan take is this player sucks. Let's trade him for a player who's good. Right. Well, if he sucks, you can't trade him for somebody who's good straight up. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah, I know. Who'd have, who'd have thought? Um, so, yeah, we're taking your calls on how you would fix the Bruins, what you would do. Uh, the guy that, that I want to hear your, your thoughts on is Tuka Rask, though. Um, I would be hesitant to trade him. But I think there's a conversation to be had of is it worth $7 million for any goaltender if you can find somebody who can get the job done for, say, four and a half, five, then that's fine. But you're going to have to name me names because I don't know of anybody who you can just grab right now who's going to make you better than Tuka Rask will. People forget Tuka Rask came into this season with the highest save percentage uh, for a career of any player in the NHL. So... Rask is nothing to sneeze at. Did he have a bad year? I won't say he was bad. I would say that he couldn't carry them himself. And that manifested itself into some pretty mediocre numbers. But, I mean, I I think you put a good defense in front of this guy. Much like with Claude Julien. Give him a good roster and he'll be fine. Give 
Tuka Rask a good defense in front of him, and he'll be outstanding. That's that's what he's always been. There's nothing to suggest he's been anything other than that. Uh, but let's get to your calls. Uh, Jake is in the car. Jake, good morning. Hi, TJ and Pete. Uh, thanks for taking the call, and thanks for having a show this year. It's a, it's a treat to have somebody talking hockey. Of course. Uh, as you know, they say about a Harvard band, you can always tell a Harvard band, you just can't tell them much. Mm. And uh, my hope is that uh, maybe Sweeney will be able to make a deal with Shirelli out in Edmonton, maybe involving Rask, uh, maybe involving other players like Chara. Edmonton certainly has a wealth of offensive talent. And as far as the defensemen go, I mean, I, I think we're years away. You know, Ray Bork's not walking through that door, unfortunately. Uh, I think we'd all agree that we'd like to have Dougie Hamilton and Riley Smith on the roster right now. Indeed. Not based on what Hamilton did in Calgary, but you look what Riley Smith did in the playoffs so far, and the kid certainly looks like a gamer to me. Why they gave him up for Jimmy Hayes is beyond me. Uh, I, my, my major issue with the Bruins is I don't think they have character anymore. I don't think they have an identity. Uh, I don't think they play with fight. And I'm not saying be the big, bad Bruins, but I mean go out and compete night in and night out. And clearly they did not do that down the stretch. Everybody flags that last game against the Red Wings that they played so great. Well, the Red Wings had played the night before, and they, they were beat. And also, one. at that time, people forget this, the Red Wings were the Red Wings. The Red Wings stink. <laughs> and they suck. It's so. unbelievable how many people think the Red Wings are good. I know. It, it's, yeah. the, it's the jersey. They get they get blinded by it. It's like if the Lakers are in the playoffs, people will just be like, oh, man, the, the Lakers, they can't count them out. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you, you, Belichick says it is what it is, and you are what you are. And the Bruins are what they are. They're not. They were not a good team, and and uh, for whatever reason, they, you know, they did get on a roll during the doldrums of the season when other teams had taken nights off. And you know, again, I they just they didn't have a Mark Recchi. They didn't have a Sean Thornton type guy that that can rally the troops. I, I don't see Chara and Bergeron. As guys that rally the troops, they're quiet leaders that go out and try to lead. I so th- that that I'll give you. I will give you that they miss having a guy like Recky. For me, the guy that they've missed so much in these last two years is Jerome McGinley. Because, um, no disrespect to Sean Thornton, but I mean Jerome McGinley was an elite player or a very very good player at least at that point in his career, and. He could go out and score you thirty goals, but he would also hold guys accountable and raise their their level of play. He would drop the gloves two time and time again. I don't care about that. When his honor was challenged, now I've got a. I do have a goaltending solution. Okay, let's hear it. I say we get Pablo Sandoval, get some really (laughs) big equipment, and wedge him into the net. He would have no complaints with that. Why? Why? How could he be sad? Hey, thanks, guys. Great here. I hope you're back next year. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. Uh, let's do it. We're doing Fred. Fred, what up, pimp? DJ Pete, morning. Hello. Good morning. Hey, I'm still in the denial stage of grief. It's not going to get to uh, acceptance till at least October. It's going to be a long summer. Swag. Hey, um, now that Quad's staying, this the faces in this team have to change. I mean, big time change. Because Claude lost that team. He lost it the year before. He lost it even worse this year. I mean, the first game, 6-2. to two, The very first game, at home, 6-2. to two, He had no answer. Where it all went wrong. Yeah, they, they, they went. They, Couldn't they, recover they, from they, that they, one. Been writing it all year. 
They played the Ducks twice. They lost to them in a total of 10 to 2. So you know who's way Ducks. better than the Bruins? The Ducks. The Ducks. <laughs> uh, not that much better. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. And then, then, then For, the Ducks Kings, were eight goals better <laughs> over two the games. Kings at home. I mean, when did we ever see a Claude team give up nine goals at home? I mean, he lost that team. He couldn't. He had nothing for that game. He couldn't do anything. So that's why I say this team needs a big upheaval. And you know, you're talking about Shirelli in Edmonton. I mean, when Shirelli was here, where did he go and get a lot of his players? Ottawa, Ottawa right? He knew the players. He went and got them. So yes, sir. you go to. I, I love Tuca. I would never want to lose Tuca. But I think, again, you bring back the same core people, and they're not going to listen to Claude. They turned him out. I remember when Milbury had a couple. Why do people keep saying so? I, I hate this though that they tuned him out. Which guys specifically were tuning? Claude out. All these guys said they wanted Claude back like, the next year. And right. the, the, the good players had good years. But, like, did Marchand tune out Claude? Did Bergeron tune out Claude? When Krejci was healthy, did he tune out Claude? Uh, you know who tuned out Claude Julian? Kevin Miller in the first half of the season tuned out Claude Julian. You know who tuned out Claude Julian? Colin Miller when he was having his growing pains. He really tuned out the coach. Zach Trotman and Joe Morrow, who weren't good enough to be full-time NHL defensemen, they were tuning out Claude. DJ, I just gave you examples of games. Nine. To, well, you were pointing uh, out games two. that they lost. Right. To well, very good they're, teams. They're going to lose <laughs> games to good teams. Not by those scores. He never lost games by those scores. He always had an answer. He'd come out and change things. The very last game of the year, they needed the most. Four goals in the, in the second period? Come on. That, that's not a Claude team. These guys might say they want him back, but subconsciously they don't listen to him. I remember Milbury years. But who is? But who's Milbury is a good coach for a while, but then his style gets old on him, and they stop listening to him. It happens, okay? So they need to change faces. Now, what I'm saying? Well, they obviously need to change faces because the the players they have aren't good. No, I wouldn't. No, hey, uh, players aren't good. You don't think Marshawn's good? You've I been complaining about right. Marshawn for like right. four straight I, I, weeks. What I, what I complained about Marshawn is that down the stretch, he was disappeared. Okay? That's what I would complain about Marshawn. Now, now let, listen to this. Shirelli, okay, he needs a goal. So, again, I don't want to lose Tuca, but you've got to shake things up. So you trade Tuca and Krejci or Tuca and Marshawn for Eberle and Hall. Now, I know you're going to say, but if you're going to give away something, you I don't think the back. Oilers need centers. I will say this. I don't think they need centers. Okay, yeah. then you send Marshawn. And, and then you, you've got Tuca. I mean, they need a goalie. Bad. How does that How help you? Why? Yeah, that would be such a bad trade. How, How does that help the Bruins at all? What do you mean? They, they need defense. They need to build from the blue right. line out. You're they, getting they in two to, forwards. Two wings, too. I still believe that their defense... A good center is worth more than a good wing. You play Miller more than you played him last year. He's going to come around. He's going to be somebody. Which, Colin Miller? Are you talking... Yes, Colin Miller. Okay. Um, You know, the last thing, guys. I'm going to just go watch baseball and take a nap. I appreciate your show. Thanks a lot for a great season. All right, thanks, Fred. Yes. Uh, I... 
I would love for lots of calls to end that way. Just mid-argument being like, you know what? Nah, I'm fine. tired. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable how many people think that the the Oilers are a great trade a great trade partner for the Bruins. Terrible trade partner. The, like the worst trade partner because they need defense just Nurse as much as the Nurse is the, the only guy that, that you'd look at and be like, this guy helps to potentially solve a problem and. God, the That's what I thought that he was that maybe getting at. Like you trade Tuca for Darnell Nurse, and I don't know if the the Oilers the, would do that, right? Because <laughs> they need defense help so badly. So, yeah, not not Fred's best for me. Um, again, I just go back to the whole thing about the the Bruins tuned out Claude Julian. That's that's a very easy and convenient way to put it, and I think that. It's easier to blame the coach than to look at this team and say, man, they need a number two, a number three, and a number four. And while they're at it, they actually kind of need a future number one as well because the number one is 39 years old. It's a lot easier to look and say they gave up four goals in the second period against Ottawa because the coach was bad. I, I, sorry, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't go there. I, I just think that. If he had a good defense, and we've never seen Claude Julien have a good team, and the way I termed it the other night on Comcast was he hasn't had a disaster with a good team because you could argue that he's had good teams that disappointed because ultimately the goal is to reach the conference finals or reach the Stanley Cup final, and he's only done that twice only. That's pretty good accomplishment, but... There are teams that he's had. I mean, obviously the the 2013-14 one that wins the President's Trophy and then bows out in the second round. That was a great team, and it proved to be a paper tiger because of the young guys on defense. But Claude's never really taken a bad, a good roster and run it into the ground. So, and I'm I'm talking about really anywhere since New Jersey from when he came here. Um, I'd have to go through the the Montreal years to find a team that was particularly good that he screwed up. I don't know if that existed, but Claude's always going to be a coach who, if you give him a pretty good to good roster, he'll get you to the playoffs and see what happens. If you give him a roster with no defense, we found out the bottom's going to fall out of it. And I don't think that's particular to Claude Julian. I don't know how many coaches would have gotten this team much further than where they got, which was a fringe playoff team in a bad division. So the, the biggest takeaway that I will have from this season is that Don Sweeney has a lot of work to do. Uh, 617-779-7937. We'll continue to take your calls. Tony, Jimmy, we see you. Uh, we'll get to you next. It's Sunday Skate on WEI. Would you not approve a, a deal if they were to come to you? Well, we can be uh, standing here you know, talking about if or should could I don't know I, I'm I'm really I, my my goal is to stay here and do whatever I can to help this team to win uh, again um, it could happen I don't know I, I'm gonna have to wait and see but uh, um, I, I Boston is in my heart and I do whatever I can I sweat blood for this team hear that a little the, the doors kind of Creaked open just a little bit. That's Sedano Chara talking about his future with the Bruins. Uh, very shortly, there will be a nice, wonderful, fun story on weei.com with more from 
Chara about whether or not he would waive his no trade clause. I mean, he said at breakup day a couple of years ago that uh, towards the end of his contract in his late 30s, he would be okay being a second pairing guy on a good team. And when he said that, he assumed that Dougie Hamilton would eventually surpass him. And obviously that, that scenario does not exist in Boston. If he wants to be a second pairing guy on a cup contender, He'll have to go somewhere else because I don't think that one year is quick enough for the Bruins to to rebuild this defense around him, or not even around him, for them to rebuild this defense so Period. well that he's not the focal point anymore. I don't know who this guy is out there who the Bruins can magically pick up and say, okay, here's our number one defenseman now, and and now we've got a, a solid number two as well, and Char, you can play on the third pairing, and... Dennis Seidenberg either isn't here anymore or he's a third-pairing guy, and Tory Krug's making a, a decent number as a, as a restricted free agent. This it sound, it's just seems so unlikely to me, and the fact that Sweeney hasn't knocked it out of the park so far suggests that uh, it, it won't be a, a doable makeover on the back end. Uh, speaking of Don Sweeney, Tony in New Hampshire wants to talk a little Sweeney. Tony, good morning. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. I have, I was so depressed when it wound up being Don Sweeney's press conference. I honestly, I was hoping it was going to be one of the Jacobs family announcing that they had totally cleaned house and that they were hiring Don Maloney from Arizona, who had just lost his job. Um, it frightens me to think where Don Sweeney's going to take this team. I think what we're looking at here, realistically, um, we have Cam Neely to thank after his nationwide search brought us to his, his old teammate, Don Sweeney. I think we have a totally incapable, we have a, a GM that's incapable of recognizing talent. Uh, I'm going to give you an ex- examples to back it up. I think they blew it. They should have kept Martin Jones and, and said sayonara to Rask. I think they should have drafted Kyle Connor. I think they shouldn't have traded Dougie Hamilton unless they had an agreement already in place with Arizona or one of those teams yep. so they could, they could have get, gotten Noah Hannafin. Yep. And, and I think, I, I think what, what this organization needs, it's not an identity for the team. It's an outside set of eyes a smart, seasoned GM, and that's what Don Maloney is. Well, you know know who else was that? You know who else was that, Tony? Well, you're going to say Chiarelli, but... Chiarelli was the adult in the room. I'm sorry, and people don't want to hear it. He was the adult, and when they got rid of Peter Chiarelli, they got rid of the adult. No, but you're not not looking at track records. Don uh, Chiarelli's track record was one of falling in love with players, trying to find... you're not letting me finish. I'm agreeing with you, though. Okay. Look at John Maloney's track record. Look at the way he typically doesn't overpay for anybody. He's on a shoestring budget. That's what would be a perfect match for this organization. The Jacobs love their money, even though I don't fault them at all for what's been going on because they spent to the max. They just have somebody who's not capable of recognizing the talent. This, they, I mean, Sweeney passed on Kyle Connor, who was on a, an equivalent to Jim Vesey. This is a guy who's going to take this team. He's, we're going to be a lottery team for several years. 
this guy's not yet done destroying this organization because as smart as he is with this Harvard background, he's clueless about being a GM. That's all I have to say. Thank you, Tony. Tony coming out with some venom. We were looking for venom last week. We got a little he, extra. I mean, he makes some good points. Yeah, I yeah, think. mostly mostly good points. I think that uh, people. I think are, using the, the term "look at the GM from Arizona's track record" is a little bit of a weird. Yeah, thing. and like a lot of what Maloney did was before the cap league or before the salary cap in the '90s, and I I wouldn't say that Maloney's the best example. I, but I I know what he's saying. Like have. Have a savvy businessman in there, and Sweeney. I mean, I wrote this the other day. Sweeney's qualified to be a general manager. He was an assistant general manager for a number of years. He was the director of uh, of player development and all the, the, these things. Like he came up through the ranks. He's more qualified to have his job than say Cam Neely is to be president of an organization. So Sweeney, while he's qualified, I think that people have been kind of slow on recognizing that this guy's not perfect either. I think a lot of people were so happy to rid themselves of uh, Shirelli that they say, all right, all this team's shortcomings, it's still on Shirelli. And Sweeney, the, the reason Sweeney didn't do a great job is because he's trying to clean up Shirelli's mess. And how would you fare if you were trying to do that? Shirelli wouldn't have traded Dougie Hamilton. Shirelli, or Sweeney didn't have to trade Dougie Hamilton. And he did. And that was, again, that was a franchise-altering uh, trade that has set them back. Uh, the way that this season was handled with all the stops and starts, you, you, the way you put it, it was perfect that they, they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. What's that about? Uh, picking a direction is, is has proven difficult for this group. I think that people are starting to come around on it. I guess it took retaining Claude for people to start to kind of turn on Sweeney. But I think that Sweeney is very, very much open to criticism. Now, again, this is where I sound like a weenie. I'll give you that Sweeney's done a bad job thus far. I think it's there's no question that he's done a bad job thus far. But I don't think he needs to be fired after one year. No, I, I think this is the, this is the year where you kind of see make or break. where he's going. Yeah, you, you can have one bad off season. A lot of GMs have a bad off season. Yeah, uh, you can't have two in a row. Yeah, and especially if two in a row would mean that uh, the Bruins would miss the playoffs for three seasons in a row. I think that – I don't know that the Jacobs would give Sweeney such a long leash that he would be safe if they were to miss the playoffs this season. I don't I, think, so I, think and the, I mean, the, the fact that he was doing everything that he could at the trade deadline to try to get them into the playoffs this season shows that. That in his first year, he felt it wouldn't be okay if we were to miss the playoffs – I mean, the way I saw it was might as well go for it because the the division is so bad and you're going to get in on a second or, or third seed and maybe you can win a round or two. That's fine. Might as well go for it if you're not giving up too much. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they missed the playoffs in a season where they come in saying we're going to start developing guys and we're going to be better at the end of the season than we are at the beginning of the season. And then they reverse course and say, okay, we're not going to play these young kids. We're going to go replace them with older players, that shows me that even in Don Sweeney's first year, he felt pressure to make the playoffs. That pressure is not going to go away after missing the playoffs in uh, in his first year. Unless so. you go full rebuild. Yeah, then you give is, yourself again, some room, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I and I don't think that's a good idea. I think that once you go to the bottom of the league, it's very easy to stay there for a long, long time. So uh, 
I would be hesitant uh, of doing that. Again, if I'm the Bruins, I assess who are my core guys, pick a core of two to three players, and then from there You'll really start to, to, to retool. And we talked last week, I'd be willing to trade Krejci. Uh, I'd be very, very hesitant to, to trade Tuka Rask, but I would definitely listen on him. Uh, Zdeno Chara, it's a question of what do you get back and... If you trade Chara, do you get rid of your stabilizing force as you're trying to rebuild this defense? Because I think a big part of rebuilding this defense actually involves Chara. You can't just put six young defensemen back there and say, okay, guys, Adam McQuaid and Tori Krug are the elder statesmen. Go follow their lead and just fall into place. I think some of those guys are going to be like, but I'm better than Adam yeah, McQuaid. The, the thing about <laughs> trading Chara is we've seen it in the past two off seasons. If you want to improve your defense... Don't get rid of your best defensemen. your good defensemen and not replacing them right. is a bad idea. And it sounds so counterproductive to a retool or a, a reboot or whatever because the guy's 39 years old. So you say, oh, he's at the end of the line. He's got two years left on his contract. Are the Bruins going to win in the next two years? Probably not. So trade him and get something for him. But, man, it takes 200, 300 games for an NHL defenseman to be good. I mean, God, how much do you think playing with Chara helped Dougie Hamilton, I would guess, a lot. So having Chara will be beneficial to a rebuild. Again, I'm definitely willing to trade him, depending on what you can get. But if you move on from Chara, you need to get some veterans in here, some good veterans in here, in addition to finding that young, future number one defenseman of the future. Again, it all sounds very pretty. It's easier said than done, though. Uh, We're taking your calls on how you would fix the Bruins, 617-779-7937. Sunday Skate on WEI.